Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey guys, Pete Mitchell here. We've got a special treat for you today. We're taking a break from our preaching series to bring you the audio from a webinar that Peyton and I recently did. Uh, There is a lot of great content in there. So when Peyton and I were talking about this week's podcast, we just decided we would give you guys the audio from this webinar. It is about our program Jump School, but uh, don't let that fool you. There's actually a lot of really, really good content in here. And that's why we're bringing it to you. So I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And Peyton Jones. And we are here for this special webinar today. What to do when you don't have a lot of resources to plant a church that reaches the lost. I'm uh, really excited about doing this webinar here today with Peyton. Uh, Peyton and I have been working together for a few years now, and uh We run, of course, the Church Planner Podcast, Hardcore Church Planning, and also Church Planner Magazine together. Our goal today is to give you some great insight on planting a church, but not like you might have heard before or what the focus seems to be on so much of the time, which is all about how to do a big launch, how to get yourself a few hundred people, basically how to cram a bunch of Christians into a building and now call it your church. Um, and I guess I should say, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't know. I guess maybe I, I feel that it's there is something wrong with that. Um, when our focus becomes about building our own little Tower of Babel, I think there is a problem with that. Uh, yeah. The, the point of, of church planting really needs to be about reaching the lost. And that's what our goal is today is we are going to share with you uh, some insight specifically, I'm going to be interviewing Peyton and uh, drilling down with him 
on some of the things that he's done. He is a, a serial church planner. And if you stay till the end, uh, we are going to give you an opportunity to get uh, into our jump school training program. Uh, people keep asking us about that. You're going to get great information from now until then. If it's something you want to know more about, you can stick around at the end and actually hear about that. If it's not, don't worry. You're going to get great information, and then you can just uh, cut out when we get into that stuff. What what makes our time here different, what makes this different, is really just what I just was talking about. It's our focus. Our focus is on reaching the lost. It is not about uh, building our own little Tower of Babel. It's not about having our little corner of the city and, oh, this is my area. It's it's about doing uh, the church first century style. So let me introduce Peyton. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, that's his, uh, his, his pouty face, as I like to call it. I, I don't know, Peyton. Looks like, hey, hey I'm, I'm, I'm ready to throw down. It's kind of, that's kind of the, the feeling that I get when I look at that picture. I'm, I'm yeah, that's my short man syndrome face. <laughs> No, notice how I'm shorter than Jesus in that picture. I was just going to say, and then there's like this little blob in the background that's Jesus. So anyway, you are a uh, serial church planner. I should say uh, he is a, a serial church planner. He is also the author of Church Zero, which was published by David C. Cook. Uh, he is a church planter trainer for the biggest denomination in America. Of course, he is the co-host with yours truly of the most popular weekly instructional church planting podcast called The Church Planter Podcast and Hardcore Church Planting. Those are actually two different podcasts that we do together. And I should also say in there, you are the senior editor for Church Planter Magazine, which is available in iTunes and on Android. It's uh, it's our magazine. So uh one last final thing I like to say about Peyton is he sports the sexy bald man look better than most. That's so, true. Peyton, welcome to the webinar and uh, thanks for, for being here. Thanks, man. It, it's true. I do sport the sexy bald look very well, especially you, for a short man. You, well, you know, I I actually have a misshaped head. Let me just say that, that uh, if I go bald, I really feel bad for my wife because I got like divots and craters and literally the right side of my head is squared off. It's not rounded. It's squared like Frankenstein. It is. Yes. But just one side, not both sides. So I don't know. I I wish I could do that. But uh, anyway, Peyton, um, let me just let you uh, introduce yourself and uh, and and then we'll get into the. the interview portion of the webinar when we get to the uh, the secrets, as we like to call them, to church planting. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, over the years, I you know, it says I've done a lot of things right. I mean, I've, I've been in ministry for almost 23 years. Um, you know, gosh, you can't talk about the stuff that you, you did right. 23 years is a lot of time to get things wrong, but I planted a lot of, um, I you know, I helped plant churches. I planted some hubs. Um, I started off in Hungary and New Zealand planting with others. Then I planted out of Martin Lloyd Jones's church where I was the evangelist for about three years. Um, I've, I've been preaching since I was young, man, and just did church revitalization for a number of years. And I've been doing for the last 10 plus years, uh, church planning and training up church planners. That's one of my passions. So, um, and like you said, I'm, I'm now training for, uh, one of the largest, well, the largest denomination and probably the most focused 
uh, movement on church planning in the United States right now. And I know over the years, you've also done a lot of things wrong. And uh, <laughs> I think I think that's kind of like par for the course. Everyone in church planning does a lot of things wrong. And we're going to talk about some of these things and the lessons that you've learned. But I know when you and I were talking uh, before we actually put these slides together for the webinar, which is how we were able to do this and still do it in a, uh, an interview fashion, uh, over the last 10 years, you said that there were basically a few kind of distinctives that you learned. What was the the first distinctive that you learned? Well, you know, I, I learned pretty early on uh, that when it comes to uh, church planting, it is hard. It's the first thing that we tell people is, you know, we'll, we'll have conferences and we'll throw them and um, guys will come. And, I, I, you know, we started our first conference I threw over in Europe in 2008, and a lot of young hopefuls came. Uh, church planning is a topic that uh, it's sexy, you know, it's it's kind of like the, it's the end thing. It is the extreme sport of ministry, and it is the most exciting way to do ministry, I think. But at the same time, um, it's hard. And when these young hopefuls come, it's the first thing we tell them is, we're not going to lie to you. This is hard. And one of my... Um, my uh, co-planters uh, taught a seminar seminar in the early days, which was why plant a church when you can hit yourself repeatedly in the head with a hammer, because it's it's just hard, no matter how you slice it. It's tough work. You know, one of the things too um, that I want to ask you about and, and kind of get your thoughts on when it comes to church planning, there seems to be. Like you said, right now it's the sexy thing. It's the buzzword that you hear a lot. Oh, you know, we're going to go plant a church over here. We're going to go do this over there. And um, you, you told me something kind of interesting about most planners. And you said most planners have no clue what they're doing. What <laughs> yeah, do you it's mean funny. By that? You know, we, with, with all this training, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it's funny because a lot of um, organizations out there are funding planters. I mean, not a lot, but some of them, you know, I mean, it, there's not a lot of training out there. Um, in fact, back in the 90s, when you got trained, um, you know, there was like this kit that was it wasn't even online. I mean, you could you could send away an order for it as cassette tapes and it was a guy talking to you about it. And, um, and that was kind of like the staple. But nowadays, you have you still have very little, surprisingly, on church planning. But, but often what you do have um, can be very misleading. So you might hear one guy's success story and think, oh, that's what I got to go do. But it may not fit your context. We have this, um, you know, like, like, for example, a lot of it comes out of the South, you know. And, and I'm sorry, but if you're in a lot of other parts of the United States, what worked in the South isn't going to work. Uh, say like on the left coast or, or up in, you know, the, the Northeast or, but, but here's the deal. Um, we, we play this game. We train church planners called two truths and a lie. And it's kind of like Balderdash board game. If you ever played that one, one of the things you do is, um, you, you go around a circle and everyone has to come up with three things that, you know, they, they're purporting to be true about themselves and they read them off and the rest of the group has to guess which one of those things is a lie. So two are true. And it might be something like, you know, I've broken my leg seven times. Well, if you're going to throw that one out there as your lie, you have to have two other ones that sound equally 
as hard to believe or if you're going to do really mundane they all have to sound the same well i've i've gone through just about every church planner training i can think of and what i've learned is it it's kind of like playing two truths and a lie where some of it sounds really good but it doesn't actually work or it's what worked back in the 80s or the 90s and it's actually not going to help you. You're going to go to apply that and you're going to find out, no, this was not the silver bullet that it was purported to be. I find that really interesting because um, what we hear about all the time in the church planning world, and, and it's because you and I really have our, our fingers on the pulse of church planning with Church Planner Magazine, the podcasts. Um we're constantly talking to people in that world. But what we hear about all the time is how to do a big launch. I mean, that is literally like you and I were at a meeting last week, meeting with this uh, network, I guess they are. And everything they do is all geared towards doing a big launch. And I don't have a problem with the big launch, but it seems like, a lot of the training that's out there is moving towards away from reaching the lost and just gathering a bunch of Christians together. And I think that's why uh, when you and I have talked about this and we say most uh, planners don't have a clue about what they're doing, it's because they have this heart to yeah. reach the lost and they don't know how to do it. Like yeah, the, all the training is about, you know, something totally different. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're, you're 100% right. A lot of the training that's out there today is really about how to, you know, almost kind of steal Christians, bored Christians, dissatisfied Christians to your new sexier version of church. And so what happens is those churches, if, if you've got people that are that fickle to start with, you know, people that are, that are that easy to gain are that easy to lose. And so what ministry becomes for those churches is keeping the show going, um, always amping it up to, to, to keep people there, to keep them attracted to your church. But the reality is most church planters don't have the materials or the resources or the contacts to do a big launch. And actually it's about 1% of church plants that actually launch that way. So a lot of the training is really only speaking to 1% of the church planning community. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you all remember when it was kind of trendy on Facebook to be seeing people with the, you know, the, the sign saying I'm the 99%, you know, so 1% of the world you know, has, has all this wealth. Well, you're, most of the training is developed towards the 1% of church planner who can have 150 people carved off from the mothership or the sinning church and $250,000. Well, funny enough, the statistics for church planner failure actually don't even favor that model. That might be surprising to learn mm. that those guys often aren't even the guys who succeed. So the training is being given towards a model that's not any more successful than anything else. And the training that's being leveraged is 1% of the church planner population. So we kind of want to speak to the other 99% of church planners out there because that's not really being done. And you also said an interesting statistic of uh, how many church planters fail. What was that? It's actually 70% of church plants fail. And I say that that's because they don't know how to do what they did in the book of Acts, which is namely reach people. 
Uh, nowhere in the book of Acts do you see that, that Paul's aim was to draw a crowd. Um, anyone can draw a crowd. I can draw a crowd. We could draw a crowd tomorrow. If what we're talking about is drawing a crowd, I just drew a crowd last Sunday in a park. Um, hundreds of people. That's easy to do when you're talking about outreach. But the, the question is, are you seeing unchurched people churched? Are you actually reaching lost people and seeing them converted? That is the model of church planning that succeeds. Mm. And one of the things that uh, that we like to talk about a lot is you've done, like we said, a lot of things right, a lot of things wrong. You discovered a lot of this stuff that we're going to be talking about here on this webinar the hard way. And yeah. what we want to give people is the chance to cheat and get at this uh, the easy way. So the hard way... Um, as we've talked about and, and love the, the name of the church there. <laughs> the flipping church of God. You know, it's funny you're talking about the hard way. I mean, I, I have learned the hard way. And the thing that's no fun about learning the hard way is you have to go through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and bruises and bloody lips and, you know, knockout punches. And nobody likes to learn the hard way, right? But I've learned the hard way. You know, we were talking about a lot of things I did right and a lot of things I did wrong. The list of things I did wrong is a lot longer than the list of things that I did right. So, look, I've learned the hard way, but I've learned the hard way for you. But but see if this resonates with you. Um, those of you that uh, are, feel like you've learned the hard way, um, there's, there's a few steps to this. Um, I would say learning the hard way of what doesn't work in church planning is this. Number one, get a sexy church name. So, you know, flipping Church of God there, you got, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's great, right? I saw that picture, Pete, and I was like, that would be such a great, the flipping Church of Long Beach, right? The well, I, I told you when I was looking up on the internet to find these uh, pictures, there's like a flipping first Baptist. <laughs> so that's the name of the city. <laughs> and it's like, I would love to live in that city. And I would absolutely call my church the flipping something or other. Cause so I think it's awesome. just funny. Yeah. It, it sounds like the name that you call a church when you're mad at it and you're leaving. Right. But you know, the, the sexy church name, I mean, it could be something that begins with an R, right? I mean, you, you just don't picture the apostle Paul, rolling into Philippians and saying, you know, the Philippian church of God, the flipping, we'll call it flipping for short, but he doesn't roll into cities and say things like, Hey, you know what, guys, I got this idea. We're going to start a church here and it's going to be called redemption, or it's going to be called revolution, or it's going to be called, uh, you know, uh, redeemer, or it's going to be called, uh, uh, refuge or it's anything with an R by the way. Um, that's usually the way that you go, you know? Um, but, but Paul doesn't roll in and come up with a sexy church name. And then the other thing he doesn't do, another way that, that planners learn the hard way, is sexy website, sexy church name, whatever. And then number two, um, you, you rent a building. Um, and then number three, right after that, uh, you hope they come. You, so those are the three steps to failure, right? Get a sexy church name. Think, man, I get the lost are just sitting down at the bar tonight. Just going, you know what we need in town? We need a church with a name that would really attract us to it. And man, if they were just meeting in the community center down the down the, the at the park, 
that would really help me, man. I, I really don't want to go into some church building. Oh, no, man, I'd never go in. And we act like it's some new revolutionary thing that's going to make all the difference. And then we cross our fingers and we hope that the loss just trickle in. And it doesn't happen. So what we're going to be covering on the rest of this webinar is uh, the easy way that will ensure you reach the start, the, the start, ensure you reach the lost and start a multiplication movement. Um, one of the interesting things, Peyton, is when, when you and I talked about how you got started in church planning, uh, you said, you know, that, that in the past you planted a number of churches that multiplied, but you didn't have a big budget. You didn't have a sending church. In fact, um, your first church plant, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, it was almost like, I, I don't want to say in defiance, but it was kind of in defiance of some of the local churches who had, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a sour taste with you at that moment. I mean, I don't know how much of that story we're going to get into, but uh, I mean, you were mad at God. I mean, you, you left the, the, you didn't leave God, but you left the church just kind of upset at everything. And, um, and it kind of just accidentally happened. But the key and the point that I'm getting at here is it didn't have any funding, didn't have a mm -hmm. big sending church behind it, didn't have a big budget. And, and I think one of the keys it, when we were talking about it is you said, you know what, even as we train people, we can't tell them like these are the results they can expect because there's one key element that they can't be missing. Like it has to be there. Tell us what that is. You know, the, the, the one thing that you can never replicate for any other church planner is the Holy Spirit. So um, I, I feel Pete, like I was tricked into doing things the right way by God, but I had to quit. I had to quit ministry. I had to quit the wrong way of doing stuff. And guys will stay in ministry and keep throwing, banging their head against the wall because they read about how somebody did it 200 years ago, say in the Victorian period. And they'll, they'll, they'll just think, well, maybe if I just do it like, like Spurgeon did or, or, or someone else did, then, then I'll get the same results. And so people stay in these traditional ruts, um, you know, for forever, kind of like the old story that, uh, you know, the, the, the train track, the, the reason that the railway, uh, is gauged the way it is, the, the, the same, uh, number of, of, of inches apart goes back to how they used to, um, you know, do ox carts. And it, it goes back, you know, thousands of years, um, to the building of ox carts that they literally, because of the ruts that they made in the road and, you know, and then when they had to move, uh, the wagons through the road, Everything was was going in the same rut it had um, for hundreds of years leading into a thousand years. And so you find often with church, it's the same thing. So guys keep trying to do the same thing or another guy comes along and says, this is what you need to do. And it's just more of the same and it doesn't work. Well, what it took for me was a Holy Spirit and it's going to take the same for you. What I'm going to teach you are going to be things that are going to be things that, that maybe you've, you've, you've thought about or it's been on the tip of your brain or if you, you've read this scripture and thought, why don't people do that anymore? Um, but, but make no mistake, unlike a lot of training, uh, seminars or series, I'm not here to tell you a silver bullet that's going to divorce you from needing to get on your face 
and get on your knees and ask the Holy Spirit and cry out to him like men of the past did. That was the secret of their success, not any method that they had. Um, what, what was the secret of their success was they were, they were faithful to uncover what God had already shown and then said, God, show me how this works today. Mm. Mm. Well, um, let's, let's start getting into, uh, where your, your knowledge comes from. Cause there's, there's kind of a, my favorite line actually of the whole webinar is on this slide. Uh, <laughs> so why don't you tell everyone everything, you know, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the first century. So, you know, uh, it, it says on there, the Bible, remember that book? It's supposed to be preaching every week. Well, you know, we have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the story of how the West was won with the gospel. Now, it is the church planting book, but not because Luke sets out to say, hey, by the way, um, I'm going to show you how to plant a church. That's actually not the intention of the book. The intention was to show the outward expansion of the gospel. And what it actually tells you is how they reached people from every walk of life, Ethiopians, people that were hostile like the Apostle Paul, um, kings like Agrippa, um, Roman guards, uh, you know, like, like in Acts chapter 10. I mean, you, you see, you know, Cornelius, you see all these people and it shows how the Holy Spirit worked and how he reached the unreachable. And so what it's really telling you is how to reach lost people. And, you know, if, if you focus on reaching lost people, unlike these seminars or, or, or these training courses that tell you how to get a bunch of people in the room, you will have a bunch of people in the room, but it won't be smoke and mirrors. If you make your aim to reach lost people, the very reason that in the first century they planted churches, then you will have a full room. If you aim for conversions, if you aim for the lost, you're going to see the Holy Spirit turn up. You're going to see miraculous things happen, and you're going to see Christ building his church. It's not a gimmick. It's not some guy's silver bullet strategy, which really is just to make him rich. It's literally, and this is kind of the deal, is I, I have a hard time with these because church planners, I know you don't have a lot of money, and I know that you you really need something that's going to, A, resonate with why you were in the ministry in the first place, and that is to reach a loss. B, make you come alive and use the gifts that the Holy Spirit's deposited in you. And three, to justify your church plant even being there. I mean, really, if your church plant is just there to reach other people's Christians, I mean, really, wouldn't you feel kind of rotten about that? You know, don't you really want to plant churches to impact that neighborhood, to baptize people, to hear families that were saved who came to faith together and then reached out to their neighbors? That's the kind of explosive growth that I'm talking about. And I, I literally can't rest. That's why we do the podcast magazine until church planners get it until in one sense, we can drown out the noise of other guys using gimmicky methods from the eighties and nineties. It just quite frankly, don't work anymore. The millennials have walked on from that, you know, but first century stuff, that stuff is still something that's timeless and it's something the Holy Spirit is going to continue to honor throughout every age. And I know from firsthand being in the darkest part of Europe that it still works. And God is the same God as he was in the book of Acts. See, and I think the part that I love about, you know, what you just said is, is Acts doesn't tell you how to start a church. And it doesn't. Because if that's what God's focus was, 
don't you think he'd give us a roadmap? <laughs> don't yeah. you think he'd say, this is where you put the pews and uh, you know, I want the pulpit to be so far? I mean, didn't he tell us how to build the temple? Or not us, but you know, he told the Israelites, here's how you build the, the, the tabernacle. I mean, everything was like spelled out because that's yeah. he wanted it done a certain way. And if God wanted us to do that for church, he would have told us how to do that for church. And I, I loved when, when you and I were talking and you said that line and you said it already, if you reach lost people, you're going to need to church plant, but it's not until you reach the lost people. So let's just uh, briefly, I'm going to go over just real quickly here, the three secrets, and then we're going to dig into these uh, a lot deeper. So secret number one, start with reaching the lost, not planning a church. Secret number two, master ministry and public spaces. Secret number three, Master the art of interactive church. As we like to say, church as a contact sport, not as a spectator sport. So to kind of really dig into this, start with reaching the lost. I want us to kind of talk about first century style evangelism and specifically, Peyton, how you did this in a Starbucks. So tell everyone your story. This was your accidental church plant. Um, Things had just gone down with the church you were at. You were really cheesed off. Uh, you didn't walk away from God, but you definitely were just upset. So kind of start there and let everyone know um, how it all started for you and how the accidental church plant started. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it's funny because as you're talking about that, you know, automatically each of those three things are different. And I couldn't have come to these three things any other way but by going on this journey that you're talking about. Because for me, again, I had to unlearn what I learned. And, and like you were kind of saying, the, 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 the other, uh, you know, when I'm listening to, to what guys are saying to do, I always feel kind of slimy. Like it just seems like you're, you're kind of, you're cheating, but not in a good way, right? We're saying cheat, learn from, from my mistakes, learn from what I learned. But, you know, it's kind of like Paul saying to Timothy, hey, come with me on this journey and I'll show you what to do. It's not, you know, hey, let me give you these uh, these these shortcuts that really aren't in the Bible at all. And so for me, God had to kind of deprogram me. And I like what Tozer said years ago where he goes, it's very doubtful whether God can really use a man unless he's first hurt him deeply. And I went through a period of such disillusionment and disenchantment with the church, with ministry, with all of that. I had gone to a a church that didn't have a pastor for 18 years. And I was young. I mean, I wasn't even 30 years old yet. And I had been in ministry, uh, gosh, like since I was 19, I went on staff at a church as a youth pastor and was the assistant pastor by the time I was 21, but preaching in the pulpit by age 20. And uh, it was a growing church, it was a mega church. And, uh, and so I started younger than most. And so my, my track record and trajectory was maybe accelerated. You know, um, I, I just was fortunate enough to be called very young and have opportunity very young. My, the pastor who recruited me always joked and said he was cheap. He was the only guy we could afford. And that was probably true. But when I went overseas and I went on the mission field, you know, I start off in Lloyd Jones's wow. church. Um, as the evangelist there. And then that went great. And we planted a church that became uh, probably the most successful church uh, plant there. 
Um, one of the most successful churches at reaching the lost since. I was going to say, yeah, how do you define success? They they just saw so many conversions, and they continue to see conversions. And they're just a soul trap, you know, to quote times of revival. Um, I, I remember going there, and this is when I started realizing maybe I'm called to this. I would go there and preach, and people would get saved. And I preached their first Sunday. And, you know, for, for those days, I mean, three people to get saved on your opening day was like, that was unheard of. And three people got saved. And then I came back the next time and more people got saved. They all brought their friends and more. And there was this domino and, you know, domino effect that started happening. But I was busy plugging away at a church where I wasn't seeing this. And I, you know, 18 years, it, it, it hadn't had a pastor. And like I said, I quit there uh, under disillusionment and was mad at God, felt God had betrayed me. There was this like battle that ensued when uh, the church started growing. Someone made a power play and I stood up and said, that's not right. And um, tried to appeal to scripture and they tried to split the church and I said no. And so anyways, I won the battle if there is such a thing, um, but it broke my pastoral heart. And I felt God literally whisper to me, um, you're done here. Just whispered in my heart. And, and I, and I felt a peace about it, but he didn't tell me where to go next. And as I was, um, just kind of, you know, I got a job at Starbucks and, um, I, I was just getting more and more angry. You're still on and, the mission field at this point. Yeah. But I was waiting to come home and I felt like a failed missionary because God told me to quit. You know, they, 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 they got the church and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of our guys that are in church planning, they've been through stuff like that and they've, they've felt that same disillusionment. But I remember making a commitment at that time. Never again will I fight saved people to reach lost people. Never again. And that was why I was done. And that's why I told the Lord, I'm done here. You know, don't call me. I'll call you. And, uh, and I just told God, I'm never going to do anything for you again because your people suck. <laughs> that was kind of my, my story. So there I am feeling sorry for myself working at, at Starbucks, you know, making coffee on the bar and tons of people were coming through saying stuff like, uh, Hey, uh, Peyton, um, you know, w- w- so what are you doing here from America? They'd hear my accent and I, I would say, well, you know, guess, guess what the thing is that, that, that I'd always tell them, you know, guess what, what's the least likely thing you could see me doing. And they guess a bunch of stuff. And one day a guy said ballerina. And I said, well, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore because that, that's better than the real answer. But the real answer is I'm a preacher. And they would get all excited. Now, Welsh people did not get excited when they heard about preachers in church. But they were regulars and they got to know me and they would say, where's your church at? And I'd say, well, you know, I, I don't have one anymore. I'm like little Bo Peep. I have no sheep. And they, they would say, man, you know, uh, I, what do you think of this Dan Brown Da Vinci Code? And I hadn't read it. So I said, well, let me read it. What and year one is morning, this? What's that? What year is this? This is 2005, 2006. Okay. And so I remember, you know, going and reading, that's my train, but I remember going and reading the book and I sat down on my sofa one morning and I said, God, I'm going to throw this reading group because people are asking, I still love lost people, can't stand the church, but I love lost people. But here's the deal, Lord, I'll do this if you make it happen. I'm tired of trying to make stuff happen. And that night I was checking out muffins in the back room with the boss 
And the boss said, hey, Jonesy, you know how you're a preacher? And I said, yeah. He said, could you do a community event? The district manager's breathing down my neck. We don't do enough community events in this store. So I thought, hey, Peyton's a preacher. Let's get him to do a churchy thing. And I said, well, you know, I don't really have a churchy thing, but I got this idea and I knew it was God. I was like, all right, Lord, you know, you, you made it happen. Didn't expect you to work that fast, but okay. It was literally the same day. And uh, so he said, great, let's do it. So I threw out a bunch of uh, food and coffee and put a sign up. Hey, reading group, uh, one night only, Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code, 30 non-believers turned up. Now, I'm telling you, I would have been hard-pressed to get 30 unchurched people in a room for anything. But they turned up there. And at the end of the night, the night went great. It took about an hour and a half. We enjoyed ourselves. We ate. We drank coffee. We talked about Jesus, talked about Dan Brown, debunked his butt. And then uh, at the end of that, the people were like, hey, can we do this again? And I, I remember now, I've quit ministry. I'm mad at God. So I go, no. <laughs> he said, well, you know, would you, uh, would you, I mean, please, would you? And they're all going, yeah, yeah, come on, do it again. And I go, well, it'd be really stupid. I mean, we just go over the same book again. And they're like, please. And one lady said something that stuck out to me. She said, we're reading the Bible. We were drinking coffee, talking about Jesus, and nobody yelled at us. Hmm. And that was like, I, I couldn't believe that. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it. And I, I remember saying to God, I'm going to do this, but one night, Lord, like that's it, one night, because I don't know what you're doing here, but you seem to be doing something. You seem to be doing what I could never do. And so what happened next was we threw it the second night. And then that night, someone goes, hey, you know how we're reading Dan Brown's fake gospels? What if, you know, we started reading the real gospels? <laughs> and they all went, yeah, that would be awesome. Would you teach us about those? And I went, mm. and I just felt like God was laughing and pointing. You know, like, sucker, I gotcha. <laughs> but I kept doing it. And I knew, I knew this is what happened in the first century. This is what Paul would do when he would run into any town. He would find the marketplace. And of course, Starbucks, this Starbucks was the marketplace of that city. It was the cultural hub. It rained every day. People read books and drank coffee and tea. And so this was the marketplace. And so I, I could see it. I could see it all unfolding. But again, keep in mind, I didn't want to plant a church. But I literally planted a church out of that Starbucks with, without initially a core team. I can remember my, my wife standing in, in a field with me one day when we went for a walk. And she stopped and turned to me and said, I don't feel safe. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, Peyton, God's planning a church in spite of us, all around us. And she goes, you need a team because she knew I, I wasn't doing so hot at that moment. And, and that's how it worked. But the approach was different. I wasn't even focused on planting a church. Like, like secret number one, don't focus on planting a church. Focus on the lost people around you. And God will do the rest. He will honor his word. Mm, I love it. I love it. So let's talk about secret number two, master ministry and public spaces. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by this. So, you know, this is kind of the deal that um, I, I get really passionate about this because 
um, when I'm reading the book of Acts, like that started a, a, a new journey, but God had already been teasing this out of me. If, if you remember, I start off at Lloyd Jones's church and at Lloyd Jones's, you know, gosh, I worked there, uh, 2000, uh, 2001, 9 11 hit when I was a missionary and I had been there in the country for a year. Well, my support dropped in half. So I immediately had to go work, uh, in a factory. So for the first year in Wales, I was the evangelist at Lloyd Jones's church, but no one got reached. I always tell people that you reach more lost people on a Monday morning working a secular job by lunch than your pastor will for a week, sometimes even a month. Mm. And, and, and so what we do is we take ministers and we put them behind desks and we hide them in offices. And those are supposed to be our frontline commandos. And so in a way, it's no wonder that we take our star players and we set them on the bench. We take them out of the world. Well, no sooner did I go to work in a factory after 9-11 than after a year of frustration and no converts, three people got saved within two months on the factory floor. And, and some of these guys were radical. I mean, they, they were guys that one guy was this giant bouncer. Everyone called him Arnie because he was a power lifter. Um, years earlier, he had dropped a bar on his chest and started asking questions about God, but everyone was too afraid of him to ever witness to him. And, uh, and, the, and the Holy Spirit just opened a door. And I started realizing this is why Paul got out there, you know? And, and, and so that coupled with being in Starbucks, which again was a community hub, uh, to the point where now we do ministry out in public in downtown Long Beach in the inner city all the time. And so here's the deal. I'm reading the book of Acts beat. And I'm noticing that they're never inside. Mm. I mean, they're hardly ever. I mean, there were no church buildings. One of the things I like to tease out with church planners when I train them is I say, okay, you're going to plan a church, but imagine just in your mind that overnight, by tomorrow, there are no churches. You know, it's called what you want, terrorists or whatever. They've all blown up overnight. You know, they, they no longer exist or the, you know, for some reason, just no buildings anymore. How would you reach people? How would you plan a church without a building? How would you reach a lost? And when you begin to learn to think outside the box and to actually follow that same uh, trajectory that, that Paul did, you're onto something really good. Interesting. Let's talk then about secret number three which is master the art of interactive church. I kind of want you to break this down because here in America, this is really, in my opinion, a foreign concept. So what do you mean by interactive church? Cause that's kind of not the way church is. No, you know, in, in church zero, I had a chapter called why your church sucks and, you know, made everyone laugh, but it and offended was, people by using the word sucks. I'm sure. Well, that's what made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so people were laughing, at least. At least I was laughing. And Pete has a sixth sense of humor, so you were laughing too. But but here's the deal. Um, it, it's from the perspective of why young people think that your church sucks. Like, for example, um, there is almost no walk of life anymore where people are told to just sit and not to respond, just to listen. I mean, it's very, very rare. We have political debates and we have stand-up comedy 
And that's almost it. I mean, almost everything else, if you go to a seminar, there's interaction. If you're on a webinar, there's a chat at the bottom normally, you know, some kind of way to interact. If you're um, and, and going- And by the way, we do have ours turned off so we can talk to each other. So sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. <laughs> but, but here's the deal, right? I mean, in almost every walk of life, people have now gone to interaction. So this generation that's coming up right now, they don't have any clue why they should sit and let people talk at them. Now, understand, I am a preacher and I will preach till I'm dead. Um, but it, church is the one place where we ought to be mastering the art of interactivity. The reason why is this generation has a lot of questions. You picture unsaved people. They come into church. They've been waiting to talk about this stuff for years. No one's ever talked to them about this. Most likely the Christians that they live around are too scared to share the gospel with them. So here's a deal. Um, they, they go to a movie tonight. They're going to be texting about it. If they're doing their homework, they're going to be asking each other, hey, what did you get for this and that? Um, if they're eating a cupcake, you know, for Pete's sake, they're going to put it on Instagram and all their friends are going to say, wow, that looks amazing. So their entire life is interactive. Well, stop and think about it for a second. What is the most interactive book of the Bible? When somebody says, you know, to a, a non-believer, hey, I want you to read this book. What book of the Bible do they normally tell them to read? John. John. John's gospel. Why? Why is John's gospel so powerful for non-believers? Because it's a bunch of conversations. When I teach through John's gospel, I tell people it's basically conversations with Jesus. You know, you got Nicodemus, you got the man born blind, you got the Pharisees, you got the woman at the well. It's a bunch of conversations. And so conversational evangelism is still, in my opinion, um, some people call it friendship evangelism. It is the most effective way of evangelizing. And so when people come into our church, this is what it looks like, Pete. You know, they, uh, they walk through the door and they see a bunch of coffee tables from Ikea. They cost like 10 bucks, right? And then they sit around these horseshoes. Now, when you first come in, that's a little bit different. They're, they're expecting there maybe to be rows, you know, but immediately what's, what happens is someone hands them a cup of coffee or asks them, Hey, what do you want to drink? We got coffee. You hand them a cup of coffee. You relax them. Um, you know, it's an opportunity. To, to sit and talk. It's disarming to have a drink put in your hand and, and have someone start chatting to you. So, um, so the first thing is, you know, people are interacting with you just, but what do you want? You know, we have coffee this morning. We have this and that. So it's small talk. How are you? I'm Peyton. Here's a cup of coffee. Boom, boom, boom. If you do it right, that's how it looks. Then you sit down. You worship like normal, and the seats are in horseshoes around these coffee tables. So that, you know, worship at the front, same as, but the coffee table or the horseshoes face the front. So they face the screen. And then let's say you're sitting in my church. Um, remember, uh, you know, th this is my church. The sexiest man on the planet comes out to preach because that's you're in my church. We're not in your church. And uh, I'm just teasing. That's my bad joke. But, but here's the deal. You know, let's say the guy comes out to preach. He preaches. And then afterwards, more coffee, and now the goodies come out, right? Like the, you know, the cake or the, you know, whatever. It comes out, the coffee cake, boom. Then on the screen during the last song of worship, you know, someone comes up and says, hey, 
What we want to do now that we've had a chance to respond to God is we want to tease out what we talked about. We want to hear your opinion and, um, you know, we want to hear what you have to say. So uh, for the young person now, it's game on. This is what they do in school. This is what they do in every area of their life. This is what the millennials have been waiting for. Not someone just to preach at them. You can still preach to them. But this is what we call synagogue style evangelism, which is what Paul did. It says that he went into the synagogue and reasoned with them as was his custom. And that term reasoned with them means to, to it's a nice way of saying he interacted, he debated with them. Now, we're not going to be debating, but what we are going to be doing is we're going to be discussing thoughtfully. And we tell them, we say, look, if you don't go to church, we put this little disclaimer there, that's okay. If you don't follow Jesus or, or you're not a Christian, hey, your opinion is just as valid because opinions are opinions. Now, what we're not saying is there's a right way to answer this because we want people to discuss freely. And our teams are trained to speak uh, intelligently about these things, but also respectfully. And we'll actually rebuke a believer who doesn't, um, you know, uh, listen respectfully. And we'll rebuke him. We'll say, you know, um, love is not rude, brother. And, you know, uh, boom, boom, boom. But, but what this does now is, yes, it'll make your service a little bit longer, but it will also now be a, a huge vehicle for someone who's struggling with doubts or faith uh, to, to come to faith because they have their objections answered. It's a conversation now just like Nicodemus had with Jesus at the well. And I'm telling you, it does a number of things. It gets your people uh, using their gifts. Um, suddenly, they're now learning to evangelize conversationally. And evangelism is happening every single Sunday. So your people are getting their gifts used. They also know that if I bring a lost person to this church, they're going to be spoken to. Like they're a priority in this church and I'm going to get used. And you know that feeling, Pete, right? Like when you go to a short-term mission trip and you come back and you're changed because the Holy Spirit's been moving through you and you see life differently, you see everything else differently. That's what happens. Your people get discipled on mission every Sunday. You don't need to take them. Uh, and this can happen. This can, can be reproduced every time you get together. But but let's just say Sunday. What a lot of churches are doing is they're trying to have a separate event. So church is kind of like a waste of time in, in, in regards to this. They get together. They have a little sing song. They have a preach. And then they try to get everyone on mission. Well, I always tell people, if you didn't want an audience, uh, why did you set up church that way, right? I mean, just the choreography, just the the way that the chairs are set up tell people this is going to be a, a contact sport. This is going to be a participatory sport. This isn't going to be a spectator sport. You get to be a part of the mission. And lost people, of course, you know, because the service is a little bit longer, I always tell people that it's only Christians who want the service to go an hour. Right. Cause they're just thinking, you know, they're, they're, they're immune to church now. You know, they're, they're not impressed anymore. You know, I'm just going to interject something here. Um, I know one of your church plants that you've, uh, that you were training up in Oregon. One of the things that they do up there, um, is I don't think they do the horseshoe thing, but they have a Q and a time after the yeah. sermon. So, I mean, they can look different in different parts of the world, you know, but the point is, is there's that interactivity to it, the opportunity for people to ask questions, to comment on what you said. 
And that's really what makes it fun is, is yeah. people get to be a part of it. It's not just uh, sitting there. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, lost people, they don't care how, you know, they're not like, hey, this went past an hour. If it goes an hour and 20, an hour and 30, um, but they got to talk. I, I've heard it so many times, people saying things like, man, I've waited for years to have these questions. And you can't, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And what we tend to find is after you've gotten people interacting, you know, like after church stops, you know, it's like someone blew the whistle and they all blow out of the popsicle stand as fast as they possibly could peel rubber out of the parking lot. You mean the way I leave? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> especially on a hot day. But but what happens normally is people, once you've got them interacting, they don't want to stop. And it just they just keep hanging out. And it just it builds the church as a family. But it is such a gateway for people to get saved, to reach the lost. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, everybody, we've kept you for uh, quite a bit of time and, uh, you know, we've been here for about 50 minutes or so, and I'm hoping that you would agree with us that it's been time well spent. And of course, we can't cover everything you need in our webinar. Even if we had all day, we can't really uh, give you everything you need about church planning, especially church planning that's going to reach the lost. Um, and I did mention at the beginning that uh, that we are uh basically relaunching our training program, which is called Jump School. And uh, and we've got that so you can get what you need. And if you act fast, if you're one of our, our fast action takers, we do have a very special deal. And I'll tell you about that here. But, uh, you know, firstly, let me just say, um, Jump School is what I like to call a full contact seminary. You don't need a sending church or $150,000. Uh, you're going to do what they did in the book of Acts, and that's what we're going to be training on. Um, any graduate of seminary can preach to a room full of Christians, but it doesn't mean they can do what the apostles did. And, and that's really where jump school comes in, and that's really what we train. In fact, I, just, I still find it funny, Peyton, uh, the conversation that you and I had with that, that other network um, just uh, the other week and, you know, talking to them and, and it was clear that what they trained on and what they focused on and what they wanted their church planners to think about was the big launch. Yeah. Like even when we brought up, Hey, you know, um, we work with a lot of Bivo guys. It was almost like, Oh, Bivo. That's not, that's not a real pastor. Those aren't real churches. And it's like, it was really like they were missing the boat. They were missing the point. Uh, well, well, this is kind of where the, the the church is still living in the 80s and 90s. Like, I've been in Europe. Living in Europe is kind of like living in the future. I often feel that I'm like stinking, you know, Biff Tannen coming back with the uh, the almanac, you know, from the future, uh, you know, to Marty McFly. I mean, I can see what's coming down the pike, and I've ministered in the future. And it's funny how you have to go back to the future. I didn't actually plan to talk about back to the future. That was clever. See what I did there? I did. But yeah. you do. You have to go back to the book of Acts to learn how to minister into the future. Because the thing about today that people still aren't getting is we're in the first century now. It is basically a parallel culturally to the first century. Um, they, they just don't believe uh, a lot of anything anymore. And, um, you know, they're cynical, they're skeptical. That's how they were. I mean, they had a bunch of gods, so they were superstitious, 
but skeptical. Yeah. So in jump school, you are going to be challenged. Um, you've already got preconceived notions and, and thoughts on uh, what church should look like. I mean, we all do. I mean, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I mean, to me, church looked very different than uh, the church plant that we've got right now. But what I will say is this, is when you join us in jump school, you're going to be thrilled. You're going to be thrilled because you're going to see people come to Jesus. And that's the whole reason you got into ministry. And you know that's the reason you got into ministry. I know that's the reason you got into ministry because that's the only reason why people get into ministry. Otherwise, it's too hard. And and it's uh, it's a lonely road. And it doesn't have to be that way, but it is when you don't have resources, when you don't have a community that you can rely on. So uh, anyway, what we're, what we're really launching today here is Jump School. And let me tell you about it and what you're going to get in it. Uh, Jump School is um, it's, it's an online and virtual training. And I'll tell you what we mean by that here in a second. So you'll get access to our membership website and you're going to get access to the Jump School dossier. It's not dossier, though I want to say dossier every time I see that <laughs> word spelled that way. Dozier. And it's, uh, it's, it's a meaty, meaty dossier. This is Peyton's tome on church planting. And how we do this is it's broken up over 12 months. And so you have access to each module uh, each month unlocks for you and you have access to it. And we also physically mail it to you. Uh, the reason is, is because some people uh, like me, I prefer just to read with real paper. I don't want to read online, especially a tome of information, but I like being able to have access to it there. I like being able to download it and be able to look at that. Uh, but we do also mail it to you. Uh, we've also got something called Jump School Radio. And Jump School Radio are the audios uh, that we've got each month. And so each month, and, and by the way, each month is on a different topic of doing the church plan. Everything, uh, even including the launch on getting funding, um, the things that you have to know, uh, reaching the lost, how to do the interactive church, all that type of stuff is, is in there. And some of these jump school radios are, in fact, Peyton's uh, university-level courses that he's taught. Uh, that was his material that... Uh, that uh, one of the the well-known um, universities that had a church planning uh, area in it. In fact, Peyton was the dean of church planning for them. And, uh, and so he's got all these courses, and we include several of them in Jump School at the appropriate time in the program. We've also got a section in the program a week every month that is called In the Trenches. And In the Trenches is an interview with a church planner that is actively planting. And so what that does for you is that gives you insight and you get to hear what is going on with another church planner. And we interview them on that month's topic and how that has impacted them um, and things of that nature. We've also got something that is called the Band of Brothers. And the Band of Brothers, you'll, you'll see the CD right there on the, the slide. Every month we do a live Q&A call. Uh, if you can't make the live Q&A call, which a lot of our guys can't make it because they're Bivo church planners, they're working. We've had guys, it's been so funny, um, they're actually listening to us while they're working. And all of a sudden, they'll like chime in real quick and they're like all, all, all hushed. And uh, uh, here's what my question is. So we, we actually tell people, you know, email us your questions, put them on the website, and we'll answer them on there in case you can't actually make it. But if you can make it, you, of course, can ask your question live 
on the band of brothers call. And then what we do afterwards is they've got the replay. We put the replay on the membership site. Um, we also have a phone number that they can call into for the replay. And then we burn it onto CD because a lot of times people just like to be able to re-listen to the advice that was given and the conversations that have come up um, in their car. And so that's why we, we mail it out to them on CD. And then we've got executive book reviews. There are a lot of books on church planting. Um, it's the sexy subject right now. Everyone wants to talk about it. So realizing that, again, a lot of the people who come to us are bivo, and they don't have time to read all the books. So we give you the summary of it, and we'll tell you, okay, this is a book that even though you've got the summary now, you don't want to miss it. This is one you really want to read. And other ones, in fact, we've put reviews on there that we're like, look, this is a waste of your money. And here's why it's a waste of your money. And we realize that that is uh, supposed to be an uncool thing, but you don't have time to, to waste. You don't have money to waste. You don't have energy to waste. And we're going to tell you, and we're going to tell you why we think it's a waste. And then we've got our core team questions. This is meant so you can take your core team through training. So you can basically start the conversations that need to be started with them as you walk them through it. So the total value of the program is $6,093. And who this has worked for um, and benefited, first-time planners, accidental planners like Peyton was, people from every single network and denomination that we've coached. Mm. And I, I don't really think, I, I can't think of many that we haven't uh, been in communication with. Yeah. Um, just about every denomination and network you can think of. Yeah. And really, we had two choices when we were putting together this, this whole program. First option was we could go as cheap as possible and try to sell as many as possible. The problem is it doesn't really incentivize us to stack the value. And what I mean by that is um, Peyton and I are uh, are actively training church planners. You know, I, I train church planners with the Church Planner Podcast, Hardcore Church Planning, and Church Planner Magazine. Peyton does it through those three. Plus, he actually does it for denomination. Um, and he, uh, he like right now, he's got uh, the church planning train station, which he does from time to time and has people come in. He's always out in the field training church planners. So we've got busy lives. And, of course, we can't give it away for free. And, and incidentally, uh, when we first started it, we did comp people to go through it who were already part of our networks. And interestingly enough, we found the people who didn't pay didn't pay attention. And it just didn't make sense. And so we said, okay, we need to, to do this. We can't do it as cheap as possible because then we don't really have commitment from people. And quite frankly, we don't really have the time then to invest in people because we got to go out and make money elsewhere. And the second option was, okay, we're going to require a little bit higher investment, but in exchange, we can devote more resources to guarantee someone's success. And again, when we say guarantee success, we don't mean success inside in terms of, great, you're going to have a big church. We mean success in that you're going to see God move in the community. You're going to be involved in people's lives. And hopefully, I mean, the point is we want to see people come to know Jesus. That's the yeah. whole point. So just to kind of give you some, some uh, thoughts from other people who have gone through the program, uh, Michael Hooper out of Texas, um, one of his big takeaways that he really liked about the program was the fact that uh, if he hasn't been able to uh, be on the live calls or to uh, go through the material as it's released, he's got access to it. So he can go back through it. Uh, Dana and Chris out of Florida. Uh, Jump School is providing us the practical information needed to get a much better understanding of the planning needed 
to prepare for a church plant. That was uh, a big thing for them. Andrew Holt out of New York. Um, actually, I believe he's just recently moved back to New York because he's been planting in Kenya, uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And he said, Jump School has provided me with all these in a very useful, friendly format, all the resources that a church planner would need. Jonathan Ferguson, who, um, if you listen to the podcast, he's the one who said, yeah, I have to agree with Pete. We play his soundbite all the time. Uh, he's originally from Huntington Beach, and he's planting in Kenya. Uh, yeah, the country where people are uh, being beheaded for being Christians uh, by the Muslims over there. Uh, not in his area. On the coast is where that's happening more. But if you think it's not going to creep over, it does. But, you know, here's a guy who's in that kind of an environment um, and has been really active in the program. I still remember one of his questions. He wanted to know about um, who we should consider for his core team. You know, what were the qualifications he should be looking at? And I still remember Peyton's answer uh, was kind of surprising to most people. and It wasn't what I think most people were expecting. Uh, but he had this to say, um, he felt like going through this, a jump school has helped me move from being a church planting scholar, only <laughs> reading books on planting and gaining knowledge into a full-fledged paratrooper preparing for a jump into enemy territory. Mike Niels, of course, uh, up in Canada. One of his big takeaways is, you know, he was able to take what we had talked about and it led to um, a gal getting saved and, and finding Jesus, which is the entire point mm -hmm. of church planting of everything we do. It's not about another building, another stinking building with a cross on the side of it. It is about yeah. reaching the lost. So, and he was, he was only a few weeks in when he wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, what you're going to get, we've got all this. We do have a, a special, I'll tell you what the special is. It's, it's not uh, $6,093. We do have a special. Um, <laughs> hopefully the, the button is on the screen now. You never know a tech. Uh, but we've got a couple of bonuses. Uh, bonus number one, we're going to give this to everybody who signs up. Um, we uh, uh, interviewed Vince Antonucci, and he is a church planter in Las Vegas, like not on the strip, but like right next to the strip. In fact, I think they did at one point uh, do stuff on the strip. Really what is great about Vince and what we were able to pull out of him was how to raise money for a church plant that will reach the most cynical people living in the most sinful places. So if you're looking at where you're planning on planting or where you feel God has been calling you and you're like, how do I raise money for this? We want you to have this, this bonus. And that's why we're giving it literally to everybody that signs up for jump school. You're going to get this, uh, this bonus bonus. Number two, the jump school binder. Uh, this is a, a $40 value because that's what it costs us to actually have them made up. And they do look that cool, uh, you know, with the, the logo on there. Interestingly enough, Peyton, I, I think I told you this, but the, the design of the cover of the binder is actually a high resolution scan of a 1776 Bible, which I thought was yeah. kind of cool. And uh, so this is going to be for the first 20 people that sign up. Uh, we're going to give them uh, this binder right here. So again, if all this did, uh, going through jump school training was to see your church succeed at reaching the lost and growing by conversion instead of transfer growth. Would that be worth it to you? I mean, ask yourself that. Would it be worth it to you if all this did was help you grow by conversion instead of transfer? Would it be worth it? If it helped you save one more soul, would it be worth it? Um, one more 
church planted outside of your church plant, would it be worth it? If it helped you turn into a multiple uh, multiplication church, would it be worth it for you? You can see why others are joining Jump School, and you can see why this is a good deal at five thousand bucks. But of course, we don't charge five thousand or the six thousand ninety three um, for the general public. You go on the website; it's one hundred and ninety seven dollars a month. And because you're special, wait, there's more, Peyton. <laughs> because you're special, because you're here on this webinar, um, we want you to have uh, the opportunity to get a better deal. So here's what it is. Click the link or go to jumpschooltraining.com forward slash special. And we've got a $67 first month trial and then $147 a month going uh, forward. So it won't be the $200 a month. Now, we've also got two other really cool things I want to tell you about. Bonus number three for the first five people that sign up, if you would like to have, uh, and of course, I, I've got a call coming in. Um, and I, I, sorry, guys, I, I, up, oh, up, oh, see, there goes our, our recording. Hold on a second. Sorry about that, guys. Um, bonus number three is a one on one consultation with Peyton Jones. Uh, he's going to uh, take time out of his schedule and just talk to you specifically about your church plan or maybe what you're thinking about doing. So again, $67 trial, $147 a month. Now you got two choices. First choice, do nothing. Don't take this leap of faith, which is 100% risk-free. And I'll tell you what I mean by that here in a second. And by the way, um, you can do that. You're, you're totally welcome to do that. Option number two, though, pony up the small investment today compared to the value you're going to get in return. Just give it a shot. If it works, great. If not, just ask for your money back and you'll get it. And here's what I mean by that. We've got a 60-day guarantee. Sign up today. If you don't like it for any reason, uh, you know, uh, Pete, I didn't like what you said in that interview on Band of Brothers or uh, I disagree with Peyton's philosophy, whatever. Um, we've got a 60 day money back guarantee. I don't care if it's 59 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes from now, just let us know. We'll give you your money back. It's as simple as that. All you've got to do is go to jumpschooltraining.com forward slash special, or click that little button that's on the side of the screen. Uh, again, what you're going to get out of this is access to the membership site, the jump school dossier, which is, you're going to have each section unlocked to you each month. Um, you're also going to have us mail that to you each month. It comes in the second half of the month, uh, typically, I should say. Uh, Jump School Radio, you're going to get access uh, to that each month. Uh, the In the Trenches interview, the Band of Brothers uh, live Q&A call, you're going to get the replay and you're going to get uh, the CD mailed to you. The executive book reviews and the core team questions, all of that is in this. Peyton, do you have anything else that you want to add uh, to this uh, uh, information? Yeah, just that um, when I actually took uh, Jump School, the dossier, which is just one part of uh, the Jump School package, um, <laughs> my agent told me, Peyton, this is two, almost three books on church planning. I would say that I've worked way harder on this than I ever worked on Church Zero. And it is the most comprehensive church planting that I do. And I would go even further. Um, and I know because I've joined other training, um, almost every single one on the web, it is the most comprehensive church planter training on the web 
period. I love it. So there you have it, guys. Um, we've got the 60-day money-back guarantee, so really there's no excuse for not giving it a whirl. Um, be one of the first 20 people, and we'll mail that uh, binder out to you. If you're one of the first five, you're going to get the binder, and you're going to get the one-on-one -on -one consultation with Peyton. And, of course, everyone gets the report from Vince Antonucci, um, how to raise funds to plant a church that's going to reach the most cynical people living in the most sinful places. We thank you guys so much for your time. If you have any questions, you can email us. Uh, but again, just go to jumpschooltraining.com forward slash special. There is a chat box on there as well, and you can click on that and uh, get a hold of us that way as well. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time with us, and we appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you in Jump School. See you there, guys. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Mm -hmm.